Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hello and welcome to Been There Done That on Joy 94.9. I'm Chris and with me in the studio today is... Gordon. And Phil. Yes. Live in colour. Live and in colour, yes. yes. It's lovely to be with you again. Thanks for joining us on this... It's almost a melting show, I think it is. Our second show for this financial year? No, for no, this for calendar, calendar year. year. Not financial. Oh. We're halfway through the financial year. Oh. It finishes in June, like normal. And but and why I say melting, I just need to ask you, how did you survive last Saturday? Oh, quite easily. Quite easily. Had everything locked down. Blinds drawn, curtains drawn, windows closed except for two to let some air in. Sat there, um, worked on the computer. Did it finished a painting? No, I didn't do the painting because it was getting a bit too hot in the studio, so I didn't do that. And um, just quietly, calmly passed the day. I, I turned on the air conditioner and the fan. <laughs> oh, oh, I had okay. a fan. I had a fan going. Yes, and had to convince the dog that because it was nice and cool inside doesn't mean it was nice and cool outside. So poor Eddie didn't go for a walk. Oh, we we went for a walk at nine, and it was thirty-two degrees, so we didn't walk far. Mm. And then later in the day when we have to do our constitutionals, well, he does, yeah. very quick visits. But you would, have, you would have been able to go out a bit later in the evening because the cool change came in about five o'clock. We, came, we went out after the change mm. and was marvelling at how much cooler it was. And all the dogs were there with their tongues hanging out, puffing their heads off. <laughs> it was still 28 degrees. Yeah, yeah. But it was a nice change. It came in very quickly. It was, and it was brilliant. But yeah. I went out, and the morning sun hit me rather early, and then I, like you, Gordon, I retired to the house, blinds down, and the reservoir of cool air in the house lasted the whole day until the cool change came. Yeah, well, when the cool change came, I, I did check the thermostat in the uh, house, and it was um, only 30 degrees. So it was it was not... It wasn't too bad. It was bearable. Mine didn't get above 24, so that was But I don't have aircon or anything like that, you know. No, no, no. This was with just Mm -hmm. the whole place locked Mm -hmm. up. It just shows you that the extremes of temperature that we've got to face here in Melbourne, almost as bad as if you were living in New York or northeast uh, USA. Well, they're they're having their climate change with all that snow and everything that's frozen and the water that can't get away and it's flooding everything. That's their global warming. No, not global warming. <laughs> What's the name of the, uh, the weather that's coming down from the Arctic? The jet stream. The jet the stream. Jet stream. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's very temperamental. Yeah, well, I, I was there in 1990 in Vancouver, and they had one of those. They had a, a, a white Christmas 
and they had snow in Vancouver for th- for the first time in 35 years. It was snowing on Vancouver Island, and all the the oranges were frozen in San Francisco. Hmm. So pretty cool. Well, minus uh, 24, car- minus 30. And currently, even the cold weather is getting down. Apparently, as far as uh, Florida. Florida. And the poor tropical iguanas are falling out of the trees. I saw a very funny cartoon of, 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 of America with the thing. And you know how Florida goes right down like what we I sort think, of could yeah, think of. Yeah, a dingle dangle. It was, it, was, it was much smaller. It had frozen back <laughs> up. That's <laughs> poor taste. <laughs> I think it was on the Late Show with Stephen Corbett. He had it on the thing. And the, everybody was in fits of laughter about this. He said, yes, that's, that's what's happened to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> poor thing. Too bad if you live amongst those islands. And <laughs> how do you explain your house is gone? Yeah, but it, but but it's also it's it's not that they they haven't had deep frosts before because back in twelve hundred and three or something twelve hundred and five twelve hundred and five yeah. they had a cold snap in England which was very much colder than what it is now and the Thames River froze completely over and they were able to walk across it and do all sorts of bits and pieces. But it wasn't just a two or three day event; it was actually over two months of frozen weather mm, and the mm. ground went solid they couldn't put the crops in and they couldn't get the fish out unless they cut a hole in the ice would that have been the end of an ice age well i or don't something know like that? i wonder you know, if in fact there had been some volcanic eruption and the sun had been blotted out mm, with all mm, the dust mm. in the atmosphere that'll do it help that, wouldn't it yeah yeah that would have done it but it, was a, it must have been pretty horrific because they couldn't plant anything, couldn't grow anything. Damn cold. And you couldn't go down the street for fish and chips either. No, you couldn't get anything out from the ice hole, could you? No, I'm not saying that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us later, listener, and uh, we, might, we might let you in well, on you the want, secret. Do you want me to explain? It's, basically, it's a lesson on how to go fishing when, you're, when your river's frozen over. And it's like what they do in, in ice fishing. It's just you cut a hole in the ice and you get some frozen peas or put peas down, they'll be frozen before long anyway. Put them around the rim of the hole and when the fish comes up for a pea, you kick him in the ice hole. <laughs> yes, that would work, wouldn't it? Well, I haven't actually tried it. <laughs> we but, are containing our laughter here because it's very naughty. Yeah, but I tell you what. But only if you've got a dirty mind. Yeah, but the but the but the, another place where they make a good use of the frozen thing is up in China, where they where they dig all the big blocks of ice out of the river, oh, and yeah. they cut them around, and they make big buildings. And they've got they've this year they've got the um, the Kremlin, I think, is the main thing, and they light it all. They have special lights that go inside, and they're all coloured and everything. It's become a great tourist thing in the northern part of China. Frankston's got much the same with the sandcastles. They have, the, they have sandcastles, <laughs> yes. But but these ice things, they they showed the fellas making the things, how they got these scrapers to scrape it off. But see, people, they are making a, uh, a blessing out of the freezing temperatures by mm. doing this and causing... They've got a uh, uh, thing. There's an, even an ice hotel, I think. That's in, that's in Norway, though. They have a nice hotel in Norway there where you go. And no, I think if they've you, misspelt if you go out, it. No, if you go... Yes, we've got nice hotels in Melbourne. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but you go up to see the Northern Lights in Norway and you uh, stay in the ice hotel. It's quite so interesting. So they're having all their cold weather. We're having our excessively oh, hot, hot weather. weather. Sydney on the Sunday had 45 or something. Yeah, some of the, the hottest things, hottest temperatures in 1939. 
around about this time in Brisbane back in only six years ago. 11. Mm. 2011. Mm. It was the great big flood that yeah. happened up in the Lockyer Valley yeah. and came down with a rushing torrent uh, and... The man-made reservoirs and dams couldn't cope with this volume of water and it flooded lots of land and farmlands. But, but then it, when it got down to Brizzy itself, lots of low land there got flooded and lots of the infrastructure in the city area got washed mm-hmm. away from the river but as well. The, but they proved that they should have let more water out of the main dam first, a bef- long time before that because they knew all this weather was coming. Had they done that, they wouldn't have had the floods apparently but um, yeah melbourne are pretty good with that we get some pretty hot weather we don't get the storms that sydney gets with their you know they, they, they just they come in and they just wipe everything out in sydney i've been up there after one of those we storms have, have more hit. wet days but they have lots more rain and they have lots more hard winds as well when you think of climate change people just sort of say it's not happening they bury their head in the sand and don't even think of it we know that climate is changing long-term calculations mm. of which we've now got a good collection of figures are mm. proving that yes it is the getting average warmer temperatures and are getting colder. warmer and those are projecting onto the the wind flows and the water flows especially of the oceans mm. and those are all changing and that's what's generating the weather up above in the atmosphere yeah above the Waters, But the differences are noticeable because when I was a child in our summer school holidays, yes. we'd have a nice day, we'd have a warm day, we'd have a very warm day and then we'd have a hot day mm-hmm. which would finish with thunderstorms in the afternoon. Yeah, and it, and it was a cycle just goes around and around. Yeah. And we'd be sitting there at the ballroom baths watching this lightning storm coming straight at us. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Last Monday when I was coming to work early, I was in the tram at around about 20 past eight, trundling along and all of a sudden there's this humongous bang and crash. And I thought a semi-trailer had gone through a building or something. No, it was a big thunderclap. Eight o'clock in the morning. They were applauding you coming to work at that hour. I know. That's what it was. God's applauding you. No, he was trying to get you. <laughs> he was totally amazed that I was out of <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so what I mean. Yes. So you got a round of applause. But you know, why, how come you, we actually got a thunderclap when that normally requires the afternoon build-up of heat yeah, well. to create the spirals in the I'm pretty sure the, the Meteorology Bureau would be able to tell you why that happened. Yeah. yeah. Spontaneous thunder. Somebody committed a sin. Oh, right. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> wasn't me. My dog. dog to wasn't God. Wasn't me. It must have been you. <laughs> well, I think we should hope that Bette Midler is having a fine day. But only oh. one. One fine day is good enough. Let's get your shooby dooby doo That's a bit like Madam Butterfly. Oh, Bette Midler. One fine day. You're on joy. You're listening to a Joycast from GLD, TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. 
You're with Chris Gordon and Phil, been there, done that, Joy 94.9. And thanks very much for reminding us that next weekend is the beginning of Midsummer 2018 here in Melbourne. Can I just say, we've just been talking about the weather. I do hope the weather is fine for next Sunday. Midsummer is a wonderful day for our community. It is just so good. Since its inception in 1988, that is 30 years ago, ago. this annual event has grown in size, scope and stature to become Australia's premier LGBTI arts and cultural festival. Wasn't the original one held down in Albert Park? Didn't they? It was. It was down at yeah, Albert Park. I have a vague was. remembrance of it happening. And it was written up in the um, one of the gay papers, I think, at the time that the they had this little gather, gathering there. There was a couple of thousand people or something rather went well, down Well, I certainly it. know that in 1994, early 94, in the Midsummer that was done at Albert Park because I've got that in the archives oh, in right. the Joy Archive. But anyway, this year is a festival of a 22-day celebration, including performance, film, sports, and visual arts, as well as the two openly public events, the Midsummer Carnival on the Sunday the 14th. Mm-hmm. at Alexandra Gardens and the Pride March on the 28th of January marching down Fitzroy Street, St Gilda. Oh, that's a fun day. Every event is public, but they are out and open in broad daylight. Yep. Well, there's no use hiding ourselves, is there? Well, like, definitely not. Hello. But I think it's a wonderful opportunity to get and see the rest of the community that you're part of. I just wonder how many civil celebrants are going to be featured at Midsummer this year because now we can get married. Well, they would be I would think there would be quite a few there to sort of yeah. let people know who they are and where they what they're doing. The period of the bans is finished is over. Now it's go for it. Go for it, girls and boys. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah. Indeed. He's missed the point. It's boys and boys and girls and girls. Oh, all right. Not so boys and girls. It'll be a great day, and Joy will be there in full force, of course. Yeah. Well, that's for Carnival Day. That's in Carnival Day, and in and Pride Day. We'll be day. back for the parade. We'll be back for the parade, don't worry, yeah. And Alexandra Gardens is a lovely venue. 100,000 people usually wander through the park. So you can be anonymous there and you get mums and dads, you get the tourists. And you see lots of little dogs, lots of doggies there because they have the dog show too, which is usually a lot of fun. People just bring them along and people have their picnic Mm. in the park. Mm. It's a great day to see people that you haven't seen for probably a year because you sort of meet them at Midsummer Carnival. It's, It's really quite fun. And the same with Pride March. You can stand on the side of... Fitzroy Street and watch the march go past or you can join in but once again you've got the regular ordinary suburban people there Mm. watching Mm. it all happen and applauding so it's it's a wonderful way of getting some validation if you're not sure of your sexuality where you are in the community you're listening to being there done that on joy 94.9 we're a little bit late for this birthday, but on the 31st of December 1897 was born a fellow by the name of Ori George Ori. Kelly. But he would, I tell you what, talking about Midsummer and, and a Pride Parade, Ori Kelly would have made, made uh, a wonderful <laughs> contribution to that, he wouldn't would have, he? I mean, he's he would have from been. two centuries ago, <laughs> 1800s, but he was born in Kiama, New South Wales. Yeah, the place with the big blowhole, yeah. Made, made, it's actually famous for that blowhole. It's it's one of the most famous parts of the whole of that part of the New South Wales coast. And if you've ever been there, it's quite spectacular. The waves come in, and you hear the roar and the 
next thing there's a great big thing of water just shoots up in the air and if you're standing in the wrong side of the wind <laughs> you get drowned it's quite amazing and it's a nice part of the city nice part of the country and he was a gentleman tailor in Kayama. Hmm. That's his father. And, uh, with his father, that's right. He was sent to Sydney at the age of 17 to study banking. <laughs> and that's where he actually developed his interest in theatre. Hmm. And then Sydney was too small a town, so he ended up journeying to New York to pursue his acting career. That would have been he a... shared an apartment with uh, Charles Phelps, apparently also known as Charlie Spangles. <gasps> Hello. <laughs> and Cary Grant. Well, we all know about Cary Grant. Well, we don't know about Cary Grant because he's from last century as well. Yeah, but he lived but with he... another cowboy, didn't he, for years? Well, he did, but he was another gay. <laughs> yes, I know, very closeted. famous... Mm film star mm, mm. when in fact film stars starred in film after film after film mm. uh, rather than being just one film wonders and Ori Kelly actually uh, got a bit of a chance of painting murals in a nightclub and from there he got into films and he started designing costumes and sets for some of the Broadway films and he actually, in '32, uh, moved to Hollywood and started dressing the film stars. He got a job with Warner Brothers, yeah. uh, which was this, one of the big studios at the time. And he and Jack Warner, who was the lead, he, Jack Warner just, of Warner Brothers, of Warner Brothers, just thought Ori Kelly was absolutely <laughs> superb because he won what three Academy Awards and was nominated for a fourth, which he didn't win. But um, it was he, he was a very talented man, and uh, and just recently they had an exhibition of his his costumes here, at, here in Melbourne in, at, at Acme at Acme, yeah, yeah. And he was a uh, uh, he. Uh, the unfortunate part about Ori Kelly was that he was an alcoholic, and he huh. actually didn't. He died quite young um, through a failed liver. I think he probably had. What 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 did he get with the eleven? He drove to, uh, died at sixty seven, which is oh, not bad, uh, I suppose, for that time. Yeah, yeah, but not a great age. But yeah, he uh, yeah, hepatitis <laughs> or whatever it is for the well, liver cirrhosis. Cirrhosis, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hard. Not a very well. We're not a medical show, <laughs> as you can tell. <laughs> but we know what happens if you drink too much grog there. Yeah. But but he 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 um, designed stuff. He designed the costumes for um, some like it hot. And they were they were so well designed that even that uh, once again, Jack, please explain. Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis were in drag from one of the scenes, and they went into the ladies' toilet, into the uh, lunchroom, the lunchroom, dressed as uh, the, the the women. Oh, sorry, no, was the uh, into the ladies' room? That's right, the ladies' room. Yes, I thought I read, read yeah, the ladies' yeah, room. Sorry. He went to the late, and not one of the women in the place picked them out as men in drag the costumes was just so beautifully designed that they hid every feature of their masculinity yeah That's, but he was able to do that he he was noted for hiding um deformities or different parts of women's bodies that were not um supposed to be seen at to uh, you know not accentuated he was able yeah. to to design stuff around there well he wouldn't have had much work to do with tony curtis really wouldn't he? Especially in his later years. <laughs> he was becoming more and more feminine. <laughs> and, and not necessarily a good look either. No, no. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's... Uh, uh, and Ori, uh, it was interesting that the name Ori, he was the one of the 
ancient kings of the Isle of Man, where Ori Kelly's father came from. All right. And that's so uh, that's the where the name Ori comes from. Yeah, Ori George. Hmm. So there you go. I reckon he would have been to some very interesting parties. Oh, I could imagine they had some pretty gay old times in Hollywood oh, yeah. in, the, in the old days. They did. According to the Flintstones. <laughs> oh, no, there's been a few. Scotty did the book. Yeah, Scotty did that book where they had the parties around the pool at um, the Selznick's place. And all the gay yeah. boys and went all, all everybody gay. Everybody would be there. Oh, there. Yes, yes. Fancy, fancy. Yeah. I bet they would have liked to have got the party started. I'm sure they did. <laughs> Just like Pink. You're on Joy. Find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. This Joy program has a podcast and you can subscribe to it at joy.org.au. And we'd love to hear from you here at Been There, Done That. Gordon, Phil and Chris would love to hear from you. All you have to do is go to your little email machine and address your wonderful comments to been there at joy.org.au. Oh, that easy. And we will read it with glee. So if it's that easy, anybody can do it. You need a computer and fingers. Oh, right. Could <laughs> you, do, you could do it on your phone too with your... Um, well, I couldn't on my phone because it's just such a have, hassle. You don't have email on your phone. I do, but I'm not going to type an email on my phone. <laughs> I've got a perfectly good computer. <laughs> right. Okay. On this day, way back when, back on, well, on the 12th of January... 1899. I know it's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's 107, 118 years ago. Was born a fellow by the name of Paul Herman Muller. And what did he do? He discovered that DTT, DDT, mm-hmm. was a potent insecticide. Mm. I don't know what it had actually been doing because it- sometimes the. the Things are created which you didn't know you needed until they have been created. <laughs> yes, well, that happens a lot, doesn't I it? I mean, the insects, insects, we were plagued with them, and now suddenly this thing is there, and people connected the two, and wacko. Yes. He didn't actually design the fact uh, that he needed to have a DDT. He just worked out that... He put all the powders together, all the chemicals together, and got this stuff which would kill the insects that were eating all the crops and everything, which increased the the crop yields hugely for farmers, which was made the, um, the, the food a lot better to grow and eat. But the trouble was that it wasn't until a bit later that they found out that the DDT was staying in the insects who were eating it, and then the Anything that ate the insects was eating the, that. It got into the food would go chain. up the food chain so that you didn't know what was but happening. But only also, it didn't deteriorate, it didn't degrade, no. it didn't break down into its constituents' substances. Mm. Even the, the problem here is he discovered that it killed insects. Mm. 
that should have been the start of the research, not the end. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because then you research the effects of the product. Yeah. And it wasn't until 1972 that the product was banned. Banned America to start with, yeah. And there's still traces in the food chain in 2002. That's right, yeah. We used to call it drop, drop, de- drop dead twice. Yeah. Because well, that's what could happen. He actually won the 1948 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for his discovery discovery of the insecticidal properties of DDT. Yeah. It was all for the wrong reason now, mm. we realise. Well, the little footnote, it was the first time that the medal was given to somebody who wasn't a doctor. <laughs> Maybe if he was a doctor, he, would he have, wouldn't have got he the He would medal. have got a bit closer to finding out what was, what might what, what, might have been the mm. the uh, after effects yes. of the stuff. Why yeah. were they dying, and what happened next? Because yeah. we had we used to be able to buy that in a, another the dust too that was found to be much the same. Deris dust. Dildrin. It was called dildrin. Oh, the eldrin. The eldrin for white ants. Yes, and it, but it was also good for your tomato plants and all the rest of it. But oh. stop the stop the bugs from getting on that. But that was that had to be taken off the market as well mm. because it was uh, another one of those dusts that went down the food chain or up the food chain. We're not good learners, are we? No, no. But Yet we say things like, "If we don't learn from our history, we're doomed to repeat it." It's it the same with same with the. Things with the cane toads, they were brought in to combat something that grew up in the air, up up the cane, t- the, the the up in the cane bush, or whatever it was that was eating, and the co- the cane toads couldn't jump up to eat it, you know. So that <laughs> but they so just, but that once once again they've just found out another way to get rid of cane toads, which is absolutely amazing. Oh yeah, did you see that on the television during the week? They they've got this. There's there's something in where the tadpoles are. Of the of the uh, of the yeah. cane toad, that they are attracted to this stuff or something or other, and that's where they they eat this and then grow on and on and on. And they have found out that by stopping that they can or doing something they can get the tad, cane toad tadpoles to go to it, and they just scoop thousands of them out of the water at a time. Oh, so they got it, a new attractant. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that, that kills ah. the cane toads. Yeah. Well, before they even get started, which is great. No, yeah. allows them to be tadpoles but taken out of yeah, the water yeah. and not breed any further. That's right. Killed off. It's a rather manual process, though. Yeah, but you know how much he earns. Who? Manual. Uh, manual. Not as much as Otto. Not as much as in Otto. In the driving school. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I suppose we're, we, we also, at the current moment, with our own humour eating fads in western society where we're looking to detox our own bodies well there's well, another thing we've got an organ that does the detoxing that's your liver isn't it yeah because hmm. if it doesn't work you don't liver <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, you don't and, and pretty simple naming technique and, and what do you think's in your poo all the impurities that your body can't use yep it's waste Okay, out the back door it goes, bang, thank you very much. Mm. Uh, mm. But these say we, we're trying to get food that is pure to begin with, it's grown purely. It's very difficult to do it. It's very difficult to get um, food that is completely organic and not got something else in it. It's just, it's very difficult. Well, there are the organic farmers. The hardest part is proving that what that you pick up in the uh, organic bin at the supermarket is actually organic, organic to begin with. Mm-hmm. Much like free-range eggs. Oh, that's right. I want a signed note from the chook. <laughs> <laughs> I was outside all day today. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And I went behind that bush. Got home and was a bit laid up. (laughs) Uh, Precisely. but The only product you shouldn't buy that's organic is organic water. Shouldn't you? Why? Well, the only thing that makes that organic is poo. Oh, of course it is. Pure water is water. It is. You can get it from evaporation. You can get it from a bottle shop. What's that song? Matter of fact, I've got it now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even the the water straight out of the sky is washing through the dirty air and taking the pollutants with it. And stuff that's coming out of the ground, well, certainly in the the greatest artesian basin here in Australia, is millions of years old. That's right. Yeah, but then, uh, but it, it would it could have been contaminated with minerals and all sorts of things. Well, it's, it doesn't seem to show it when people are able to drink it and use it for uh, things uh, up in up in Queensland and the Northern Territory. It seems to be the water seems to be quite fine, but of course they they're now using it for fracking and all this sort of nonsense, and it's causing um, dreadful trouble with the water tables. And, and as they showed on the Simpsons, when you're fracking in the area. You turn on your tap, get a cigarette lighter, you can light the water. <laughs> that's right. Yes, you can. Well, they're doing that up there anyhow. They've got, they've, that's the way they're getting rid of the methane gas and stuff that's coming out with it. It's, uh, they've got permanent little um, candles in the bush. But when I was growing up, my cousin had a farm up at Charlton, and they used to get superphosphate from Nauru. Oh, yes. Which is another use for poo. That's right. Yeah, it was chicken poo. And that was poo. fine until Nauru ran out of poo. <laughs> but they've got a good clientele now, haven't they? Well, yeah, we won't talk about that lot with this, yeah, Nauru and Manus, yes. But actually, I know this is turning into a poo segment, but it's very, very useful in probiotics. That's right. Yes. That's where all those various strains originally came from. That's right. And that's and they've found out, if they the scientists have found out by by going into the poo that they can separate what's in it and what's out of it and what tell you what is wrong with your body. Yeah, it's a it's it's quite right. an amazing process they've got it. Yeah. yeah. So there's lots to learn yet in science well, so. about the yeah. body and how it works. Mm. Yes. Mm. Um are we educating enough scientists here in Australia? I no, wonder. we haven't even got a minister for science on the front bench. We've got the Minister for Science that sits in... Oh, well, we better start well, getting one of those. We haven't had a Minister for Science since... Um, uh, what was his name? The, the pick-a-box man. Bob Dyer. No, no, the <laughs> other, the Australian guy. That was the contestant. Par- that was in Parliament. Oh, God, isn't it terrible when you get an old, your brain goes to sleep. We have a Minister of Religion in Parliament. No, well, uh, they seem to be running the show. According to, uh, according to our constitution, we are a secular... Uh, government. Oh, has anybody not, told the government? <laughs> well, I don't think so. There was a big, big article in the paper that I read about that one. Yes, so uh, it's um, anyhow. They and of course, around. we've also now got to worry about all those nano particles of plastic that are in the the food chain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the plastic that we, well, that gets into the water, we into the sea, is br- now breaking down into small, small. Infinitesimal. What's particles. those? What's that, that? That stuff that they've been putting in cleaning products and stuff. Milli, milli. Yeah, they, these milli are things these nano, milli yeah, something yeah, or little tiny windy things minuscules. you can't see. But did they cease that because the sewage plants? Yeah, they are supposed to have done so, but they can still. I've still found the, stuff the, on the supermarket plastic shelves. Plastic that's already in the sea. Yeah, is breaking yeah. down, and now the fish are ingesting that. Yeah, and it's coming up. Yeah, but I, I use a cleaning product that has none of that stuff in it, and it's a brilliant cleaner. 
I can't say the brand because that's advertising, but it's good and stuff. And they're not paying us. They're not paying us, no. That's right. So yeah. we won't talk about them. Mm. That's not how the economy works. You buy their products. They don't pay you to use them. <laughs> <laughs> True. But I tell you what, it's, it's, it's very good, completely clean and free. Mm. But anyway, free? No, not free, clean, clean and free, well, all, all bits and pieces. Funny yeah. how I pick up on certain words. <laughs> <laughs> free. <laughs> well, let's hope that we don't get any more birth defects from... Well, this is what... From this poor is, research. This is what we, we don't know what is causing... Um, all the things that are happening to young children these days, like look, uh, with, with, with autism and that sort of thing. We never had that when we were no, growing up. No, but, oh, well, we just... Well, we didn't seem to be anyhow. We didn't even know what they were. But I, I just remember those situations recently in China where all the milk products were Contaminated. full of melamine and all these mm-hmm. sorts of other plastics. That's why all the tourists coming to Australia fill their bags when they go home with cans of baby formula. And other things as well. Tell me that you love me. Oh, no. I love you, Chris. Only when I'm drunk. <laughs> I, I've been up all week, not getting any sleep, trying to read the signs. I don't know how much more I can take, how much longer I can wait before I lose my mind. You, for heaven's sake, you take my breath away when you're not even trying. You got me wondering why, oh, what if you were mine? Oh, baby, come on and say it now, just let the words come out. Tell me you love me, it's easy to say what's on your mind, say it a million times. Tell me you love me. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station Joy 94.9. You're with Phil, Chris and Gordon. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. We're coming up towards the end of our show, but we've got a couple of important people to talk about. We've got the birthday uh, on the 13th of January 1940 of Edmund White, a US author. A gay man. Definitely a gay author if you've read any of his books. The Joys of Gay Sex was his first well, book. That yes. was a most prominent one. It was one that I picked up and I thought, oh, there's lots of things for me to do. Oh, Hopefully. You didn't already know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it validated uh, me in what I had been doing and it actually put it into context, the fact that uh, sex for gay people is a pleasurable affair, even though it mightn't be procreational, it is still a pleasurable affair, and that's what the body is responding to, Yeah, he's pleasure. Been a, he's been a, an out gay, or oh, what would you say, voice for the whole, for yeah. mostly for America, <clears throat> of course. Where he writes, he lives in New York. I think he lives in New York yeah. still. And um, I've read a lot of his books, and they're very, very interesting. The way he writes, he's he is, very he's not only a novelist uh, or a memoirist, but he's an essayist on literary and social topics. Mm. Yeah, his his boy's own story was is one of his start of his autobiographical series, and that was very interesting about how he grew up and where he was. And it's it's uh, it's his his books are really worth reading because they they they. They're quite timeless in the in what he's writing about, as far as gay life goes. And uh, one of his more recent novels was uh, 
written in 2003, I think. Um, and, you know, so he's a modern man. He's thinking he he's not so far into the past uh, that it's no longer applicable, but he's in the modern technological mm. age and uh, he can locate. You can see yourself in his books. Yeah, he was a member of the Violet Quill, which is a, a, an association of gay writers. That's one of the big things oh, that he was that's part right. of. that's right, Andrew Violet Holler and, and Felice Picano. They weren't hiding behind that name, were they? Andrew Holler <laughs> Andrew Holleran is the English um, writer, I think. I think he's the chap that I've interviewed here at Joy. Have you? Mm-hmm. Heavens! Yeah, well, I think it was Andrew Holleran. The name's sort of in the distance now. Yeah. Some, yeah. Why does he keep hollering? <laughs> What's he upset about? I don't know, but he wrote some pretty good books, yeah. Felice Picano, I've read lots of his as well. <coughs> I read a lot. Uh, in his 2009 memoir of New York life, Edmund White is writing about his the uh, the life in the city in the 1960s and 1970s in the book City Boy. And I think that, yeah, his memoir, that must have been his memories. Memories of what happened in the... So um, that's because from personal what, experience. Once again, we see everything. The, the Americans are very, very re- religious-oriented. And, uh, of course, homosexuality is a, is a, 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 an absolute crime. And when you consider the, what, what's gone on with the, the services and the like the army and, and the don't ask, don't tell and all that over the generations, and it's mm. still going on in America. It's still very, very... Um, hard and it's particularly hard about uh, in the black community of America the African Americans have a very hard time about being gay but there are but it's, it's changing gradually changing but it's hard to weed out the the right religious yes the society and yeah, their yep. their right to rule and, and of course this is where um, now we, we actually have same sex marriage or equal marriage or equal mm. rights at the moment but the next big argument is coming up next year when we have this um, religious thing going on. This year. This, I'll beg your pardon, this year. <laughs> they're, they're having an inquiry about the, 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 um, the, the rights of the religious groups and all the rest of it. It's oddly they're calling it religious protection. Religious protection. They're the most protected yeah. species on the planet. Well, they're the most protected now, groups well, I on think the there's going to be a lot of voices talking about tax them. Yeah, well, that's what. Yes, if they want to, I'll do, vote for that. I'll vote for that too. <laughs> but it's just, it's just uh, that's we've we have it. We have our equal rights now, but um, they're certainly going to try to take some of them away from us, and that's going to happen uh, from now until May, I think, when he ha- when Philip Roddick has to present that. But there was also another lady that was born on this uh, in this time as well. She was a very very famous woman who wrote some wonderful stuff, and I'm talking. She was born on the 16th of December, actually. So it's a bit we're a bit late with it's her, but a we bit late, but 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 still, she was one of the one of the group, and um, Margaret Mead. The U.S. U.S. cultural anthropologist. anthropologist. Yes, yes. She she wrote the the um, wonderful South Seas when she went to the South Seas in the thirties. Uh, well, Margaret Mead actually put a lot of the her work under the microscope, but it wasn't in fact looking at microbes, but as looking at the cultures and the behaviours of various peoples. That's right. Yeah. And 
she did a lot of this by personal examination of cultures, uh, one in Samoa and also Samoa. in New Guinea. She went and visited three tribes or so That's right. and stayed with them and watched how their societies worked, how they were structured. And their cultures as well, because well, that yeah. came into it a lot. Because when she was in the South Seas, she realised that the, the children were just children, but they uh, there were nothing until they become adults but she also said that they she also realized that there were three sexes in the islands there were the the sex in between male and female and they the fafani who fafani are, yeah. yeah which are the which are the um, well well accepted in the island societies yes but but her book caused a huge uproar when it was found out that the children were having sex as well wasn't oh, the, the these were the ones who didn't actually have in these societies have a role, a place, no, or even. No. But, know, but they were just just do it, doing what came naturally without any bother or whatever you wanted to, and it was completely accepted by society. So uh, she, on the islands, yeah. So Margaret Mead, with all her little personal studies, actually shone the spotlight on this part of a knowledge that wasn't particularly well known. No, what is it different? And different human nature to what the, the Western world had been used to yeah. reading about. So that's, that's the thing that if you're coming out of university and you want something to do is to, to fix on a subject or a topic that isn't being well covered at the moment and make that your own. But it, it, she, she lived a fairly good life too because she travelled a hell of a lot. Her main partner was a, um, a woman, R- Rhonda Metro was her name, and it's M-E-T-R-E-A-U-X, not M-E-T-R-O, as in railway lines. And she had a loving relationship with that woman for a long, long time, even though she was married three times and divorced three times. But the Rhonda was the, the love of her life, actually. And Rhonda's daughter was her godchild. Well, letters between the two published in 2006 with the permission of Mead's daughter clearly express a romantic relationship mm, there mm, mm, between the two of them. So, uh, golly gosh. And uh, Margaret Mead was actually honoured in 1979 by President Jimmy Carter. And he uh, awarded the Presidential uh, Medal of Freedom posthumously to Margaret Mead. Mm, mm, mm. She was quite famous uh, all around the world for the work she did on putting a spotlight on different cultures and the way they had survived for generations and centuries, actually. And the work she did with comedians that stuttered. The Fafani. The (laughs) Fafani. Stop it. It's not (laughs) Fafani. Thanks very much. It is time for us to pack up the shop. Already again. And... Yes, take ourselves away. We'll be with you next week. Okay. Don't forget we're on podcast. And don't forget if you're down at midsummer on Sunday, drop into the Joy, Joy, tent. Joy tent. You'll probably see either one of us down there at some stage. Yay. Yep. And come and say hello. Be and there or be square. That's right. Yeah. And enjoy midsummer. It's a once a year event, the opening carnival day. Anybody is allowed in. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.